Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, this is Mariana Zuniga from El Hilo, the Spanish language weekly news podcast that's co-produced with Vice. I am filling in for Ariel this week. I want to tell you about a story from Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic. I went there recently because of some videos that I saw on social media, recorded outside of hospitals in Santo Domingo. One video shows a bus parked in front of the hospital. It looks like a school bus, except it has blank iron bars in the windows. It also has a logo on the side that says Migration Services. As the video goes on, a man dressed in black drags a woman by the arm onto the bus. The woman is pregnant. The pregnant woman being carried away is Haitian. Most of the women in these videos are. During my reporting trip to the Dominican Republic, I met one woman who went through this, Natalie Dolival. I met Natalie at her house in the western part of the Santo Domingo, where she lived with her husband and two daughters. Natalie is originally from Cap Haitien, the second biggest city in Haiti. She's 34 years old and arrived in the Dominican Republic in 2019 to reunite with her husband, Josneph. Natalie and Josneph have two kids. Natalie got pregnant with her second child when her first one was eight months old. It was a hard pregnancy. She experienced regular bleeding and her blood pressure was high. She told me she suffered a lot. On November 10, she had an appointment for a C-section. She went to a clinic around dusk and got in line. When she was standing there, a guard approached her and asked for documentation. She thought the guard was referring to her medical records, but he meant legal documentation, ID or passport. Natalie is undocumented and didn't have anything to show him, so the guard called immigration. Then a bus came and picked up Natalie, along with other pregnant women that were in the clinic that day, and brought them to a detention center. She says the bus was so packed, there was barely room for her. This is because in September 2021, two months before Natalie headed to the clinic, the Ministry for the Interior had begun to limit migrant women's access to the public health care system, which they enforced by putting police in hospitals and clinics. This has led to a lot of pregnant women being deported, and most of the women affected by these are Haitian. It's part of a larger crackdown in the Dominican Republic that is radically pushing the boundaries of anti-immigration policies with its roots in racist attitudes toward the country's closest neighbor, Haiti. There's another border story playing out in our hemisphere. The Dominican Republic and Haiti sit side by side, yet have a complex and fraught history. 
Esto no es solo una cuestión de conciencia, no es solo una cuestión de derechos humanos, esto es una cuestión de la ley. El gobierno dominicano se coloca al margen de la ley. This is Vice News Reports. Natalie told me that after the boss dropped her at the detention center in Jaina, in the outskirts of Santo Domingo, she had to run to the bathroom right away. Her water had broken. In the meantime, her husband, Josnef, is just learning that Natalie is being detained. At first, he literally thought it was a joke because he had never heard of immigration taking pregnant women to a detention center. As soon as he realized that it was real, he went to a detention center to try and find her. Inside, Natalie was feeling awful. Her belly was hard and she was in a lot of pain. She was scared that the immigration officials were going to deport her to Haiti while she was in labor and that she would have to give birth in transit. In the end, the officials took her to a hospital where she had a C-section and delivered a daughter, who she named Christelle. But just two days later, immigration came and took her back to the detention center along with her baby. Giving birth via C-section is way more complicated than a natural birth. Women usually need to rest for about 10 to 15 days. So being back at the detention center, Natalie was in a lot of pain. She couldn't properly lay down. They only gave her a small bed for the baby. At this point, her husband, Josnev, decided to go to the Haitian embassy for help. Josnef was able to get help from the Haitian embassy and Konani, an institution in the Dominican Republic for the protection of kids and teenagers. They worked together to get a permit so that Natalie could stay in the country legally for three months. On November 13, this is three days after she had her baby, Natalie was finally free. Now, a year has passed and Natalie finds herself facing more uncertainty. Her temporary permit is no longer valid, and Natalie told me that she hasn't been able to get her daughter vaccinated because she's scared of going back to a hospital. Her husband's document has also expired. They live very much under the radar because they are afraid of being deported. Josnef says that they are trying to figure out what to do because it's been like this for far too long. Before leaving her house, I asked Natalie if she ever thinks about them, the other women that were on the bus that day. She told me that yes, because they are all living the same thing. The situation in Haiti is dire, and she prays that they are doing okay. Even with what she went through, she considers herself lucky because she hasn't been deported so far. Haiti has been facing a humanitarian crisis for years now, with food insecurity, criminality, and corruption plaguing the country. 
a lot of people who migrate to the Dominican Republic are trying to escape this. Recently, the United Nations asked for the Dominican government to stop the deportation of Haitian citizens, to which President Luis Abinader responded that he would not only continue the deportations, he intends to increase them. Y la República Dominicana no solamente va a continuar las deportaciones, sino que la va a incrementar la The people who support these deportations, like the president, often claim that Haitian women are collapsing maternity services within the Dominican public health system. The Dominican Minister of Health also claims that last year, 10,000 million Dominican pesos, which is close to $200 million, was spent for childbirth procedure for migrant women. He also said that there are not enough hospital beds for pregnant Dominican women because they are currently being used by Haitian women. But the ex-director of the National Health Service, Chanel Rosa Chupani, has said that this 10,000 million figure is false. Se habla de 10 mil millones de pesos, eso es imposible. Eso es imposible que se gaste 10 mil millones de pesos en parto. But these myths have added to the discrimination Haitian women already face in the Dominican Republic. Nos venden que ellas vienen al país a robarle al sistema de salud y no como That's Dr. Lillian Fonder, a Dominican OBGYN. She told me how widespread it is to hear that Haitian women come to the DR to steal from the health system, when in reality they come to build a life here. Just like many Dominicans who migrate to the U.S. or Europe. Y cada vez República Dominicana, las autoridades, los grupos de poder cada vez son más anti-haitianos, incluyendo la sociedad de gineco. And she worries that it's not only the politicians who have embraced anti-Haitian views. Dr. Fonder worked her entire life in public hospital before switching to private practice two years ago. During her time at the hospital, she says that she saw a lot of discriminatory practices towards Haitian women. The first thing that comes to mind for her is the fact that virtually no one in hospital staff speaks Creole. When a patient reaches the hospital in a vulnerable moment, it's difficult and demoralizing to have no one speak your language. Dr. Fonder has also seen discrimination towards Haitian women in more blunt ways, verbal aggressions, insults, but most of all, indifference. Porque es indiferente, es como si no existieran. O no solo como no existieran, vienen a molestar. It's like they don't exist at best, and they are an annoyance at worst. Dr. Fonder thinks there's an urgent need to reform the health system in the Dominican Republic in general, specifically the OBGYN service, and that these discriminating practices against pregnant women are only making the healthcare system worse. But addressing those issues can happen until the root problem is seen for what it is. Historic, deep-seated racism towards Haitians in the Dominican Republic. Pero claro, ellos tienen el problema de haber nacido negro. Y recordarnos a nosotros que también somos negros. Ese es el tema. No que sean negros ellos. Es que nos recuerden que nosotros también. Dr. Fonder says that the issue is not simply that the Haitian women migrating to the DR are black. It's that they remind Dominican society that it has black roots as well. So much so that in 2013, the Dominican government stripped hundreds of thousands of people of their citizenship. The Dominican Republic is set to begin what some are calling ethnic purging. 
placing the fate of hundreds of thousands of Dominicans of Haitian descent into limbo. That's after the break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Back in 2013, the Dominican Republic's Constitutional Court made headlines with a decision that left more than 200,000 people in the country without citizenship. La indignación que ha generado la determinación de la justicia de República Dominicana de retirarle la nacionalidad a los hijos de haitianos nacidos en ese país ha generado un debate que cruza fronteras. It declared that anyone who had Haitian heritage all the way back to 1929, and regardless of whether they had been born and raised in the Dominican Republic, would no longer be considered a Dominican citizen. The decision created the biggest crisis of statelessness in the Western Hemisphere, and it immediately received a lot of criticism. So much so that in 2014, the Dominican government backed down on the decision and instead emitted the law 16914, also known as the Citizenship Law. This law divided citizens with Haitian heritage into two groups that were literally called Group A and Group B. Group A was formed by those that were already registered as having Dominican citizenship and had documentation. This group simply got their citizenship reinstated. But Group B was Dominicans of Haitian descent whose citizenship had never been registered. Theoretically, this group was going to have a two-year path for citizenship. But it's been almost 10 years and not a single person has received it. Even though the law was pulled, the repercussions of it continue to affect many citizens with Haitian heritage, like Ramona Pierret. Ramona lives in a small town outside of Santo Domingo, more specifically in Abatey, which is the word for the communities where sugarcane workers traditionally live. Over the years, many people have migrated from Haiti to perform those jobs, and many of the people living in Bateys are now Haitians or the descendants of Haitians. When I arrived to Ramona's house, I found her washing a big pot in the kitchen. She had just come back from work. Her clothes smell like citrus. Yo estoy aquí en un trabajito, es como una fábrica de pelar naranja. Uno coge la masa para hacer dulce. 
She tells me that it's because she works at an orange factory. She peels the oranges that are later sent to the city to brands like Goya to make sweets and other products. Ramona is short, wears her hair braided, and carries a big smile. She has five kids, three boys and two girls, who she spends most of her time with when she's not working. The oldest one, Luis Antonio, loves music, and his sibling, Yuri, has a kick for cooking. Ramona has lived in this bate her entire life. Her parents migrated from Haiti to work on the sugarcane fields, and she was born here in the Dominican Republic. Mi padres, en estos tiempos de antes, lo trajeron de Haití para que picaran caña, y nosotros nacimos aquí. Ramona told me that she had a difficult childhood. She was abused as a kid and bullied at school. Classmates would tell her to go to the fields and pick sugar. A veces yo lloraba porque los compañeros dominicanos me decían haitiana, vete a picar caña, así era que me decían y yo me sentía mal. And then, in 2013, when the Constitutional Court removed the citizenship of Dominicans with Haitian descent, Ramona became part of the Group B. That is, people who had never been registered as being born in the Dominican Republic. For some people living in rural areas in the Dominican Republic, it's common not to have birth certificates or be in the civil registry. Ramona told me that even though she was born in the Dominican Republic, since she didn't have a birth certificate or other proof of citizenship, they gave her an ID saying that she's foreign. Me dijeron dentro de dos años no iba a dar la cédula para poder votar. Me dijeron que me iban a dar mi cédula dominicana y todavía, todavía no se ha hecho nada. They also said in two years her new Dominican ID would be arriving. But now it's been eight years. Bueno, vivir sin documento es como un callejón sin salida. No puedo comprar una cama, unos muebles, no puedo, sino al nombre de otra persona. Ramona says that being stripped of her citizenship is a dead end and that she experiences challenges daily because she has no Dominican ID. She can't buy a phone for stuff like buying furniture and appliances that requires ID for the receipt. She has to ask someone else to buy them under their name. When looking for work, not having a Dominican ID has been a problem too. Al fin y al cabo, cuando envío la foto en mi cédula, me dicen que no, que yo soy extranjera. Ramona also can't study or open a bank account or vote. She can't register her kids in the civil registry as Dominican, even though they were also born here, which makes them stateless too. No puedo declarar a mis hijos, porque si yo lo declaro así con esta cédula, cuando sean mayor se lo van a entregar eh, extranjero. Por esta razón no puedo. She doesn't want to settle for getting them an ID saying they're foreign and then pass the same problem on to them. La misma lucha que estoy cogiendo ahora por mi documento ellos van a repetir esta misma lucha y yo no quisiera que ellos pasaran por esto. Ramona is worried that someday in the future her kids will be removed from school. This is common when kids don't have a birth certificate or other documentation, especially when they start high school, like his older daughter is about to. Her kids are old enough to start asking questions. Me han dicho, mami, ¿por qué no tengo acta de nacimiento? Y yo le explico el caso por qué razón. They ask Ramona why they don't have documentation. She explains the best she can, but sees that it makes them sad and ashamed. 
especially when their friends ask why they don't have documents. Sienten triste porque muchos de sus compañeros tienen documentos y cuando van le preguntan y tu documento ellos se sienten con vergüenza, tú sabes, se sienten triste. In her daughter's case, some of her classmates bully her about it, just like they did to Ramona. Pero yo le dije, concéntrate en tu tarea, no te lleve. Tú eres igual como ellos, tú eres dominicana. She tells her it's not worth paying attention to those classmates and assures her she is Dominican. And Ramona's daughter is not alone in trying to understand and find pride in her identity. She's actually part of an initiative called Muñecas Negras, a group that's working to empower Dominican girls with Haitian ancestry. When I went to meet members of the group, the girls were preparing a poetry performance that they were going to present to their parents later. After the event, I sat down with them to chat about what had convinced them to join the group. Quieran su color porque algunos quisieran tenerlo y no lo tienen. Eso no es malo ser negra. Si tú tienes tu color, quiérelo como te lo mandó Dios. Muñecas negras me ha hecho entender que tengo que amarme tal y como soy. Una persona hermosa, fuerte, eh, una persona en la cual Dios se esmeró porque soy hermosa, porque soy negra, me siento súper genial. A lot of the things they tell me are about how proud they feel to be black and how the group has been an important part of that. And their parents have noticed it too. Se siente más segura. Con el curso ella ha aprendido a desahogarse. Ella se siente orgullosa de ser dominicana de ascendencia haitiana. Se siente orgullosa. Ramona says that her daughter feels proud of being Dominican with Haitian ancestry. And seeing her daughter feeling more comfortable has also impacted her. Yo me siento feliz, me siento con más fuerza para seguir adelante, seguir luchando para obtener lo que realmente necesito. She feels happier, with more strength to keep going and fight to obtain what she needs. On my last days of reporting, I went to the Dominican border with Haiti, in the northeast town of Dajabón. The hammering that you hear in the background is from construction workers building a wall along the border or an intelligent perimeter fence, as officials call it. The idea of building a wall here, a la Trump style, was introduced in 2019 by Dominican ex-president Danilo Medina. And the current president, Luis Abinader, picked up the idea. The wall is supposedly meant to reduce illegal immigration, drug trafficking, and livestock theft. It is expected to be almost 100 miles, with 170 watchtowers and 71 access doors. Right now, it doesn't look particularly impressive. It's barely 10 feet tall. Realmente, al principio, nosotros estábamos, eh, estábamos opuestos a esa idea, pero hemos ido recapacitando porque realmente... That's Santiago Riverón, the mayor of the Jabón who I went to talk to. He was wearing a white cowboy hat and jeans. He told me that at first, he wasn't into the idea of the wall, but later decided he was in favor of it. On his desk, there was a statue of the head of Juan Pablo Duarte, a Dominican independence hero, and on the wall, a rifle hanging alongside the Dominican flag. Part of why he changed his mind on the wall is because he thinks it's going to be useful for increasing general security. 
aunque yo sé que con el tema de la migración no creo que vaya a resultar tanto. Yo, yo lo veo más por el tema de la seguridad. Ese muro debe venir acompañado también con un muro en la mente de los que cuidan la frontera. And that he hopes the wall works as a sort of quote-unquote mental wall for those who help migrants cross the border, for them to think twice. Hay un tema nacionalista, patriótico, eh, y la gente ve este muro como un símbolo patrio ya. ¿Me entiende? For Riverón and many other officials in the party of the current government, this wall is a symbol of Dominican sovereignty. But for many others, it's another reminder of the systemic discrimination that Haitian people experience in the Dominican Republic, one that widely permeates the government, public institution, and media. As I'm getting ready to leave, I realize that a Dominican immigration bus was arriving to the area with the people who they deported that day inside. It's hot outside and the bus looks back. After it stops, a guard opens the door so that people can make their way to the border. The first person off is a woman who is pregnant. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This story was reported by me, Mariana Zuniga. It was produced by Adriana Tapia and edited by Ania Viles. This story was supported by the Pulitzer Center. The Spanish version was released by El Hilo, a co-production between Radio Ambulante and Vice News. Vice News Report is produced by Sam Egan, Sophie Cases, Adriana Rodriguez, and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Jesse Alejandro Cotrell, Janice Yamoka, and Julian Nutter. Our supervising producer is Ashley Click. Our associate producer is Steph Brown. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Bran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer is Adisa Egan and Stephanie Kariuki. For Vice Audio, Ania Viles is our executive editor, and Janet Lee is our senior producer manager. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday so be sure to check back in next week.